Welcome to Happy Hour at Home, a podcast about friends navigating adult life in the modern world. I'm your host, Chloe, and today we're talking about working with managers, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Today's friend is Matthew Ray Chang. Matt grew up in LA County eating the best homemade beef noodle soup in his Taiwanese household. He went to UC Berkeley and studied engineering, then worked as a front-end engineer but hated his job. He took a leap of faith as an intern in an entirely new industry, advertising. At the ad agency, he paved his path, honing his creative and engineering sides and even won top awards. He was suddenly laid off, but is now doing creative technology for Google. He's a low-key rapper, an improv actor, and he's all about the baller life, Jordan 3s, and free samples at Costco. Welcome, Matt! What's up? Thank you, Chloe, for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah. Welcome. I've been really excited to talk to you about this today. But first things first, what kind of drink did you bring today? Uh, I'm chilling. I got um, a non-alcoholic drink, but keeping it kind of classy. Some sparkling water with some fresh squeezed lemon in it. Ooh, very nice. Okay, okay. So I want to get to know a little bit more about your background. I know that you studied IUR at Berkeley, which is actually not that common. And I wanted to hear more about what exactly is IUR and how did you choose that path? And then what was your career path like until now? Yeah, uh, IUR, Industrial Engineering and Operations Research, um, which at Berkeley was sometimes known as imaginary engineering and optional recreation. I've never (laughs) heard of that. I've never heard of that. um, It was uh, definitely not as technical as like other engineering fields. So in engineering, it was kind of known as uh, the more chill major. But I, you know, going into it, I was more interested in finance at first. And so I tried everything I could do to like, Uh, get my toes wet in business related things, whether that was finance. And at one point it was also marketing. And I thought I wanted to go into investment banking for the longest time, which is when I talk about it now, it's super cringeworthy um, (laughs) because back then it was like definitely a super shallow mindset of like, Hey, I learned about this role that can make you lots of money and I should go do that, which was just yucky to say now. But yeah, I had an internship there after my freshman year summer in um, private wealth management at Merrill Lynch. And then, yeah, fancy, blah, blah, blah. That sounds really (laughs) fancy, actually. Merrill Lynch. It does sound fancy. On paper, it sounds fancy. My actual experience there was anything but. Oh, I don't want to talk crap about that, but I guess we can. (laughs) And then my after my sophomore year summer... I got a investment banking internship at this small bank in San Francisco. Uh, But by that point, I kind of already knew it was a little bit funky. So I actually only did half a summer internship and studied abroad in London the other half. Nice, nice, nice. And then after that internship, I for sure knew that I didn't want it. I didn't want to do that for a career. Wow. I also, during my internship, I, this is not why they brought me back or anything, but I like lost the company credit card while getting lunch <laughs> for people. Wait, I think I remember you telling me this story a long time ago. Did I tell you about this? Wait, tell me My again. pants, I had, um, I didn't have good clothes. Like I didn't want to like, you know, ball out for an internship, whatever. So I just like had the jankiest minimum requirements of a dress shirt and slacks but these slacks i had had holes in them like in the pockets not on the outside so you couldn't you couldn't see the holes but in my pockets like i could like if my leg was itchy i could reach into my pocket like scratch part of my thigh (laughs) Um, but i didn't think and it was great because in the summer sf got really hot so i needed that that hole to kind of get some breeze from my legs but one day part of my daily routine of picking up lunch for everybody. One time I put the credit card in my pocket, just in my pocket. And when I came back to the office and I went to the admin desk to return it, I, it wasn't in my pocket. Oh my God. And so I'm at the admin desk, just like, <laughs> like scratching my thigh. Cause I'm like, that's where the credit card should be. <laughs> 
And I told the secretary, like, I'm going to be right back. <laughs> and then I was in financial district on the streets of, like, Montgomery in California, uh-huh. just, like, tracing my steps, looking and, like, like looking around for this freaking credit card that someone probably probably already took by this point. And I run across this, like, this, like, a uh, drain, like a sewer drain. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, it definitely fell in there. And I'm, like, on the ground in the middle of the day, like, looking. And I'm, like, panicking. So I hit up this other intern. And I'm, like, yo, like, Rob, hey, I, I lost the company credit card. You got to help me now. So this other intern <laughs> is, like, I'm going to go use the bathroom for, like, an hour. And he, like, comes out. And it's both of us retracing my steps again until finally never found it. And I'm going back up the elevator and I'm like, I'm about to get like fired right now. Luckily, when I told the secretary, she was like, oh, it's all good. I'll just call and cancel it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, thank you. Thank you. I'll, whatever Saved. you need, like whatever I, you I'll need. do whatever you need. I'll do it for you. And she was like, yeah, just we just won't ask you to pick up lunch again. And I'm like, all right. And it's actually good for you. Yeah, it was good for me. But sorry, side tangent, long story. So after that, I was like, no more losing credit cards, no more investment banking. <laughs> Let me go back to school. Wait, those two are not related, right? So, uh, sure. Okay, why is investment banking so icky to you? It was just the freaking like culture. I think a lot of people were trying to go for it. A lot of students were going for it for the wrong reasons. And mm-hmm. it was definitely one of these info sessions. I went to for like JP Morgan or something when I really found out how icky it was. It was like five employees and 150 students. And afterwards, there was like a Q&A where you could go talk to them. Mm. But there's 150 students for five people. So you got like 30 students around each person like it's like freaking like they're celebrities and trying to connect with them or like sneak in a question was just like. And people were asking, like, the you know when people ask, like, the dumb, like... Yeah. And they try to sound important. Yeah. And, like, really, like, genuine. They're like, oh, my God, like, what is your, like, day-to-day like? Uh, And I'm just, I'm, like, there, like, scrunched up with everyone else, like, Jesus, did you... I mean, that's a good question, but, like, it didn't really, like, he kind of talked about it in the the info session. (laughs) I like snuck out of there, like grabbed a little like free food and then left. That was when I found out it was icky because everyone was like that. And it was mm-hmm. like, man, I don't know if I want to be around those those people at that time. Good call. And then what happened after? Yeah. So I came back to for my junior year and that's mm-hmm. when I was like, OK, I want to go back into more um, engineering related stuff. I was like, I'm going to go take computer science because my my CS friend said it was cool and fun. And I'm like, OK. And... I yeah I liked it. It was really interesting and like really tickled the tickled the mathematical the, side. Okay. Tickled. <laughs> tickled. It tickled. It tickled <laughs> that part of my brain and I liked it and I kind of got immersed in that world a little bit. Mm. Um at school it taught a lot about like back end related engineering which people get into like as career software engineers, mm-hmm. but I got interested in front end, the front end of like web development and the actual like visuals of uh, what you see on a website. And that led me to get into that and started getting me into like graphic design and visual design mm-hmm. and just design in general. And uh, so after after my junior year, the junior year summer, oh shoot, I was gonna say I started my internship at Kohl's, but what had actually happened was I worked on a startup with two of my friends, a startup, you did? air quotes. I did, and you didn't hear about it because it didn't go nowhere. <laughs> wait, wait, it's the happiness app. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was the happiness app. Oh. Yeah, so that was a experience, just uh, living with two other dudes and working like nonstop all day. It was an app that measured happiness. Yeah, happiness was uh, is was it's not on the app store anymore. I think that measured happiness, and it was a top rated app in Guana. I want to say. Wow! Congrats. Yeah, that was the highlight of that. <laughs> but yeah, after after that experience, I was like, okay, now I want to go work at a company and mm. see what that's like. And after, and so I actually stayed an extra semester at Berkeley. So I had one summer after my senior year. So I used that summer to get an internship and I got an internship at Kohl's. That's right, Kohl's. All right. Uh, where, where you can buy clothes and stuff. Like all those companies have to deal with e-commerce. So 
I worked in their technology division as a front end engineer and realized I like it, but didn't like it in that role at a big company. Mm-hmm. So I actually spent most of that summer chasing and learning more about product design and UX design. So that whole summer, like my internship was like 12 weeks. After the first week, I like planted my ass down where the design team sits mm-hmm. and like just got to know them the rest of the summer and pick their brains and learn from them and work with them. Um, so and then after that, uh, they gave me a return offer for, for uh, web development or front end engineering or whatever. And I took that and quickly did not like the work because I already knew I didn't like it as an intern, but I did it for a bit on the side after work, I would go home and work on self started design projects to try to break into that. And that also didn't work out. And at the end I found this internship opportunity for quote creative technologist in San Francisco. I was living in Milpitas at the time. How did you find it? Uh, Have you ever been like really desperate when job searching and at some point you're just like looking in the darkest corners of like the internet and the job port? You're on like page 47 of like (laughs) Indeed or something. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. So you start finding, (laughs) you know, you start like branching out. You're like, I want to be a designer, let's say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at some point you're like, okay, I'm not getting anything for product design. Maybe I'll do UX design. Nothing for UX design. Maybe I'll do uh, designing the blackboards and making sure they're clean in the morning or something you know what i mean like you just start branching out to like this is kind of design and then your friend is like no that's like no that's like uh, the janitor role (laughs) so i was i was looking for i was branching out and then i found yeah the creative technologist posting from this advertising agency which was like a gem it was like listed all these skills i was good at these things i could do and it was more creative focused and i was like at that point you're just like i'm applied to i'm applying to everything and anything so let me just go for it mm-hmm. and then yeah i landed that internship which after a butt ton of time as an intern ended up working there full time for a while and then got immersed in advertising which thinking back to like when I started at Berkeley it's like I never thought I would get into this I didn't this wasn't even a thing I knew existed like people get jobs in especially from engineering school yeah especially from engineering schools and like all these universities and stuff it's sometimes not as sexy or like right yeah it's not yeah you know what I mean you know what I mean yeah I feel yeah but yeah, I got into it, really enjoyed it, enjoyed it, still am doing similar work. Mm-hmm. And so I was there at the agency for three years and then they lost some clients and then I got laid off. And then luckily I quickly bounced back and doing work for Google now. Mm-hmm. Still the same, like similar type of work, yeah. uh, just for a different company. So it's great. It's awesome. Oh, I'm glad. I'm super glad. I know that it wasn't always awesome. And it, it seemed like a really hard thing to do, jumping from front-end engineering to an intern role at an ad agency, right? Oh, from full-time to back to intern? Yeah. Like, what what was going through your mind? Like, what were, you, what were your trade-offs? Was it an easy decision to make? Did your, was your heart set on it? Uh, my heart was definitely not set on it. There are a lot of worries that I had. A bunch. (laughs) I was personally okay with going from a full-time role back to an internship. I would have done the same probably for a a design role. Mm -hmm. What's funny about the design thing was I was chasing after that so hard and to end up not doing that thing, but finding success and like being happy with this other thing was super, it's, I, I can't even like explain it because if I had chased design for example and only to like do it and then find Mm -hmm. out it's like not as not what I thought it would be Mm -hmm. that would have been really tough you know once you're on like page 78 of indeed and recruiting is not being good I I just had to be real with myself like hey like I'm not qualified enough to do this work Mm -hmm. instead of just beating on like a dead horse I need to change course and luckily on page 78 of indeed I found this (laughs) other thing that changed my life that was okay. Definitely dealing with like telling like family because mm. I like to keep, you know, close to my family. And then yeah. when I said like, hey, I'm going to leave this full-time job and go to this internship in a more expensive place and with a low pay, my family, my sister was super supportive because uh, mm. she understands that mm. grind. But definitely like parents were like, 
Oh, oh, my son. No. Aww. What? You're going backwards. You can't go backwards. <laughs> but I was, I felt like it was the right decision. So you just have to, I just did it. I just can't listen to other people. <laughs> I, that, that came out wrong. I can't let other people decide how I'm going to live my life. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So you took your leap of faith. Leap of faith. Leap of faith. Changed into the ad agency. What mm. were your expectations going in and how did it meet or differ from those expectations? No expectations. I was first day. I mean, I even pronounced the company name wrong during my interview. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told you this. The, yeah. the company was, uh, it's pronounced Goodby Silverstein, but I had never heard it. I've only seen it on my screen. So I thought it was Goodbye Silverstein. And so I said that during my interview. And then the recruiter was like, just chuckling. She was <laughs> like, no, it's actually Goodby Silverstein. And then I was like, I remember I took this call into Starbucks in Milpitas. And I was like, well, from page 78, time to go look at page 79 of <laughs> job boards. Wait, did you say that loud? No, no, in my head. (laughs) I'm glad she took it well, the recruiter. Yeah, she did it well. And yeah, everyone, yeah, that was like kind of a embodiment of the culture there. It was pretty like lighthearted Mm -hmm. and people took work seriously. It was really, the hours were like tough and the work was demanding on like Mm -hmm. your, the creative side of your mind. Mm -hmm. But people had like a good, um, the culture was good. Personalities were great, great people. What was the team like when you first joined? So when I joined, there were two people, plus me equals three. There was my first manager, this Brazilian dude, who had been there for less than a year. Mm -hmm. And he's a super smart coder guy. Then there was this uh, Swedish guy. Oh, man, I love this dude. (laughs) He taught me so much. I'm going to shout him out. His name is August. And yeah, he ended up becoming like one of my like best homies there. And he was a soup from Sweden, super smart, also a a very experienced developer Mm -hmm. that taught me a lot. But it was only two people plus me an intern. And I didn't know jack shit about what the hell is going on. Mm -hmm. The internship was only supposed to be four months long. Already, this is the bad expectation I came in with. I came in expecting like, I'm going to work hard and... At the end of four months, hopefully, you know, if I like it enough, get a job. And two months in, I was already kind of unsure about how much I liked it. I did like it, but not sure of what was really going on because I don't think uh, I was brought up to speed as a person in a new industry and at an intern level in a very niche department that actually... Most advertising agencies at the time didn't have. I was a deer lost in headlights and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Uh, But I still wanted a full-time job because I was like eating the same thing every day. Just like hard budgeting like because of the intern pay. Yeah, that's that was like my bad expectation. Well, yeah, it's definitely I definitely feel like entitled thinking that. I didn't think I was going to get it or like I just deserved it. But like I was like working hard and like, yeah, like. Yeah, I'm like working hard and doing what's asked of me. Mm. Now looking back, I'm kind of like, I didn't really know everything, what was going going on and like what value I was really providing. Right. So to make that claim at that time was, yeah, it's definitely yeah. weird thinking about it now. But what exactly is a creative technologist? Like, what were you doing then? It was a bunch of honest, I, I couldn't even tell you. It was a bunch of random stuff. The greatest thing I did in my first four months was we worked on this project, um, Tostitos, mm. the like tortilla yeah, chip yeah. brand was one of our clients. And for the Super Bowl, they call it the party safe bag where to deal with the problem of drunk driving related incidents after the Super Bowl, mm. the creatives there came up with this idea where it's a bag of chips and you breathe into it and it'll tell you if you're over the blood alcohol what? content level. Like it's, it's, the bag is made out of something that will indicate your alcohol level? Yeah, the bag. And so they were like, we have this idea. We don't know, like, what, how does this work? Like, how do we make it come alive? And so the jo- my job was like, okay, how do we make it come alive? And Whoa. I have a, some experience in, like, basic electronics and, and that type of prototyping. So I literally got Tostitos bags yeah. and had these electronic components, like an alcohol sensor, yeah. and made this circuit fidgeted with 
with bags of Tostitos and like, you know, cut out little holes and put in electronics with the, with the chips kind of. And, uh, and I had this prototype where if you drink some beer, you like blew into this bag, it would light up red if you were over 0.08 and light up green if you were under. So that was what we did, like prototyping and, um, trying to bring creative ideas to life that it ended up getting produced. Like once we had like a prototype that like, Hey, this thing is doable. Then we got a bigger company to Mm -hmm. like scale it up, but they had like the, the, the blueprint already to do so. Wow. That's such a cool project. You are very creative. It's hella cool. It's hella cool. Okay. So how long were you interning for? I interned for a total of 14 months. It's a while. 14 months. Yeah. Initially, did they, how long did they say this would be for? So it was four months. And so what had happened was at the end of four months, my first manager, the day I was going to talk to the recruiter, I think, to kind of discuss it more. And I wanted to talk to my manager that same day. He was like, hey, Matt, do you have some time to talk in the morning? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. What's up? He's like, hey, uh, today's my last day. Oh, my God. And a bunch of thoughts in my head. The one I eventually came to was, no, it can't be because, you know, what about me? Because you know, <laughs> me, 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 me. Like, what is this? How is this going to affect me? And he was like, yeah, today's my last day. I'm going to another agency that's paying me a, a butt ton more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do about you. All I could do, all I can do for you is put in a good word and say good things about you. And I was like, yeah, you know, that'd be great. Thank you. Good for you. And I'll, yeah, that's fine. With that, though, they still couldn't make a decision because they were like, well, now that your manager is gone and because of like company politics, we don't know what the direction of this small team is headed, which is basically now one other one full time employee and me an intern. Mm-hmm. Uh, all we can do for you right now is just extend your internship. I was like, fine. Like, OK, like I OK, I, I can do that. Uh, aside from the internship, like lifestyle, new city. I was still getting into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay with it. I'll, if something better comes along, sure, I'll do all that, whatnot. But so I'm going on this internship for some time without a manager and kind of, again, just more lost, mm-hmm. not knowing what to do. And while in my first four months, we had actually, and I didn't know because I was an intern, but the team was recruiting more people or trying to grow the team. So we had interviewed one guy. And he was TBD on whether or not he wanted to come. And because I'm not informed on it, I didn't know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. But after some time, this initial manager left. That guy that we were recruiting, he actually got hired and he comes. And then he's like, hey, where's the manager that tried to hire me? And then <laughs> we just look at him. We're just like, oh, yeah, he left. <laughs> In that tone? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, he left. And, and so this guy was like, well, I came here expecting to work with this manager, dude. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So now it's three people, two full-time and me just kind of working our way around and like figuring out what's going on. But luckily, this guy has like a lot of like industry experience and he's super, he really took on a leadership role naturally and started uh, becoming like the, the leader of the team. And he basically just guided me for a while and like managed me. Fast forward, eventually, he ends up formally becoming, like, the head of the team, like, title-wise. But, yeah, the internship thing, because we st- he still didn't have that official title and we were still trying to figure out what was going on with the team, every time it was, like, another two months, another three months, like, all I – and I would go and, like, regularly talk to the recruiter and be like, hey, you know, what's up? What's going on? You know, she'd come back to me and just be like, hey, we don't know what's going on and the best we can offer you is an extension – and the, at first, it's like, okay, I understand. And this is me. I think this is naive, Matt, for sure. Yeah. At that time, the company was also starting to win some more clients to me, which meant more business, which meant more money, which meant you can hire me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, it's never like that. And just a bunch of politics and invisible things that sometimes you don't know are going on. It's beyond your power. But that's why I was an intern for so long. Until until I basically like was tired of it, like for sure tired of it after I saw 
a bunch of in, other interns in my class or like the same time started as me and they had long ass internships too but after the last one got hired like my like he's big homie um this copywriter also named matt Mm -hmm. he got he was an intern for 12 months so two months after he got hired i was like okay i can't like i can't do this anymore and then you fought for it i i didn't fight for it i kind of and this is naive matt again but I kind of just gave an ultimatum. I was just like, hey, what what's going on? Like, I would like to know. Um, you know, I really love working here. But if the future of this team or the future of my role is uncertain, then, you know, I think it's best for me to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I told that with my de facto manager at the time, who yeah, the new guy the who guy. wasn't officially manager yet. But, yeah, he was uh, – he unloaded on me. And that's when <laughs> – that's not the start of how that relationship was at that time, but it was definitely like a outward expression that made it visibly clear yeah. about where I stood in the in like the hierarchy. And you weren't some sort of chump hire. You were extremely a, a strong contributor. You you won a lot of awards during that time. And there's not that many people in the agency, so it's not like they can lose talent like that so quickly. I'm just really surprised that they didn't invest in you earlier 14 months is forever yeah 14 months was a long time but we're good now we good now but then you got it yep and then the company had to do layoffs yeah so i became a full-time employee for another like two two and a half years and then Mm -hmm. then they lost some clients and then they had to cut a lot of people from all sorts of departments and then one of them was me and then yeah that's how it goes and now yeah luckily just bounced back quick Right now, you really love your job. And all of us friends are extremely pumped for you. And the both of us, we had had our unfair share of very shitty management experiences. And so today, I just wanted to talk about what your previous managers were like and how they treated you, what tense conversations you've had before. We've shared many of those before. And um, just some lessons that you learned from all of it. Uh, let's start from the beginning because I want to hear yours too. And uh, ah! like, so for me, <laughs> after my freshman year of college, like I worked at Merrill Lynch, uh-huh. uh, the manager there was, the management wasn't that great. Can you characterize your manager from Merrill Lynch? Yeah. I have an image in my head and I don't know if it's the same image. The vibe wasn't morally good in my opinion because <laughs> it was kind of like icky because in very, at the, from the very start, he was like, hey, because I, I was trying to just find out the job. What what is what do you do in this job? Right, so I'm right, asking right, lots right. of questions, and then eventually, just straight up, just became like, hey, like this is what I do. Like I need a lot of clients. You need to help me get a lot of clients because the more clients I get, and the more they sign up for our products, the more commission I get. So I can be ball. Like he didn't say I can be balling, but he's like he said it in a tone that was very like these aren't people, and we're not looking after their financial future so much as I need them because they translate into money for me. Jesus. That was like the tone. And yeah, that stuck with me. I was like, uh, shoot, okay. So the vibe was was wrong, the direction I didn't agree with, but I'm, I didn't care. Like I was an intern just trying to learn about the industry, right? So if this mm-hmm. is the answer he's giving me, mm-hmm. this is what I'm taking away from it. So I was okay with that in the sense that like, okay, so this is how it is. But other like other than that, there wasn't much else. Like he didn't really manage me. Like most of my work that summer was calling through a list of phone numbers and cold calling and being like, hey, Chloe, uh, this is Matt from uh, Merrill Lynch. Uh, have you thought about your retirement yet? <laughs> How did you get this phone book? I I don't know. Was it like a yellow pages? Like what kind of phone book was this? No. No, he's, I don't know how, how they did it, but they got like work phone numbers okay. from this company. Like all the work, like these are all work numbers, not personal numbers. These are like cubicles. I imagine cubicles and they each have their own telephone like thing back then with the wire, right. <laughs> the telephone. <laughs> with the wired phone. That was my whole internship. Like there wasn't much else. I mean, what about you? Like what was... What were you doing after freshman year summer? I think my first real internship was I was working as a data science fellow in 
this thing called like the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. Like you just apply for it and there's like a stipend. It didn't pay very well, but I was going into the research route, you know, you know, pre-med at the time doing the sciences and trying to do some research. It was called this ecomorphology lab where we wanted to study the evolution of eyes in different birds as a some birds, you know, are nocturnal or diurnal, which apparently is they just hang out in the daytime. They sleep at night, you know, and then there's like all those in the middle. And so we had to go to the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles. And we went there like every other week. We went to the back in the back of the archives. We like had the ladders climbed up, got the box of bones. Dang. We saw like all the stuffings of animals because you know how there's like animals that are dead, but they're stuffed. So we got to see that process behind the scenes. And then I would just be measuring bones, bringing that data back and then doing a ton of um, R analysis on it. So it's kind of cool, but also not really my area. <laughs> and then my lab mate was this guy who was a little bit more of like very hippie and definitely smoked a ton of weed <laughs> and uh, <laughs> was, was like very philosophical was like but what about evolution and it's so gnarly how eyes morph and the optics of how the eyes change and I'm like I cannot talk to you I don't know how to communicate with you <laughs> so I was very tense definitely and then at the end of the internship we had to go to china beijing to work at peking university and then we worked with like another paleontology uh, institute there and it's just me and two men one of my professor is like more quiet i think he's like german or something and um definitely isn't into anything that i care about and then my my lab mate i guess is also someone I don't really, uh, didn't really vibe with. Like he said a lot of controversial stuff that I'm like, uh, I don't know what to say. And so we're in China and it's freaking hot. There's like lots of pollution there. So I actually come back with bronchitis and I'm out oh, for a week. God. But during that time, I had to pump out a report because like the, the professor demanded it before the semester began. So I was like, Hey, professor, I've done all this R analysis. I have bronchitis. I need to take a break. And then he like sends over so many strongly worded emails saying that I didn't have a choice but to finish it and redo all my computations because it's like not enough. And I was like, why isn't my lab mate doing this? Why is he just like chilling where I whereas I had to do all the grunt work. And so I was like really confused. That was like the first time I really felt it was really unfair treatment towards me, like maybe because I'm the one that's better with the numbers and better with the computations. But then I legitimately am out on my bed for a week dying. Oh, man. So that that's the first internship. And that was kind of your first experience with the academic in the sen academic sense of a manager. Yeah. And professor. Yeah. It was not it. I just knew I just from that moment on, I realized research is not for me. And paleontology is not for me. That's good. It's for me too. It was like private, whatever wealth mm -hmm. management was not it. Any, what did you do after sophomore year or during sophomore year summer? I think everything's starting to blur. But another experience I had was working. I worked at Boeing and I actually worked in the South Carolina plant. So it's like a super different place than I've ever been in. You know, I'm like the only Asian, like a hundred mile radius. And then every single time someone talks to me, they're like, whoa, your English is so good. And I'm like, thanks. I learned it in California. Just the <laughs> education system, you know? I don't know. What can I say? Credit to them. It was a tough team for me to gel with, like, completely. Everyone was just so super nice. Like, I, I, really, I really enjoyed everyone's company. But um, I think that it's like an older crowd. You know, Boeing employees work at Boeing for like 10 to 30 years. They're like lifers. Whereas everyone in Silicon Valley leaves at the two year mark or something. Yep. I think when you stay in one place for too long, you might, you, you only know this world and there's like not a lot, there's not a lot of need to try out everything else. So then I don't think people were like that, uh, had a very diverse set of experiences. I came in and I like did things so, so fast. I came in at like 7.30 a.m. and like left at 3.30 and then just like watched anime at night <laughs> and then did other work, of course, with like 
nonprofit and community service stuff. But it was really, it wasn't that challenging for me. So I, I, I think I did really, really well. And then at the end of the internship, I had this intern report out where I just like shared all of my findings, which was uh, I had a ton of meetings. I like made a chart of how many meetings I had on average. I don't remember how much, but it was like something crazy. And then um, I shared my memories, you know, doing volunteer things, having lunches, going to barbecue house parties, and then going to the intern party. And it was, it was like walk, a walk down memory lane. And then I, I would write some takeaways, like what are lessons I've learned? Um, and then I, I was like, I asked a few friends, I asked a few fellow interns what lessons they learned. One of the lessons was like, I've learned that money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you a boat. <laughs> and I was like, yep, I think that sounds about True. right. <laughs> Anyways, so I have this report out and presentation. Everyone loved it. Except for one guy. Manager? It wasn't my manager. It was like another oh. manager on another team who sat next to me. And he was fuming because like he, he invited us for a barbecue to his house, I believe. And I had a picture of him smiling, eating barbecue. And then I think I didn't get his permission to have that on a company presentation. But nothing was on it. Like you can't even see the background. You see like a, he's on a table. You can't, there's no family members, there's no personal people. And granted, I, I should have asked people for permission, but you know, like we're millennials and then we, we just don't really think about that stuff. But that was something that I learned. Definitely other generations are a lot more sensitive about photos. So he comes back to the cubicle and then he's like yelling and shouting and, and people can hear him across the room and he goes at you no 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 no. i am there but like he shouts directly at my manager he's like did you know that your intern blah 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 did this how can you not manage this properly and i don't really remember but it was just shaking because he's like a southern man right so then his voice is extremely deep and extremely resonant so it's just freaking freaky and i'm like a little asian girl and i'm just like whoa this is my last week there's just a lot of shouting. And then him and my manager just go off. They, they just go at it. And then he talks to my teammate. He like directs it to my teammate who's like my mentor or something. And he's like yelling at her about me over me because I'm in the middle. And then I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm just so sorry. I, I, I didn't I didn't realize I, I, sh I really should have asked you for your permission. I'm really sorry about that. And so he just storms out and everyone's like silent in the room at Boeing. And I am about to burst into tears because that was the most scariest thing I've ever seen at a workplace. Like this man was so kind to me. And then I just had to, I just had to sit on my desk and just take it in and just not cry. But I got through the day. One of my teammates came up to me and was like, Hey, it's not your fault, Chloe. It really isn't. You know how when your mom and your dad fight and they fight about the dishes or not taking each other out more or something really small but it's actually a more deeper rooted issue. Well, those two have a really extremely deep rooted issue that they despise about each other. And so you just happen to be like the reason that triggered it. And it's not fair for you to be in the middle, but it's not about you. So don't, don't worry about it. And then that week, I just like went to the conference rooms all week and just like cried because it this guy sits next to me and every time in the morning I would like come in and say good morning to him and he, he would just like ignore me. And then I would also write little sticky notes on his desk and I would say, sorry, or I say good morning, or I, I would say like, I hope you had a good day. Like I was just trying my best to be as kind as possible and like sweet and just to show him that I mean no harm. But then he would take my sticky note in front of me, crumple it up and throw it into the trash. No. I know. And then one of my teammates said that I can call HR on him because he's making it a hostile work environment for me. And I was like, dude, this man's been at Boeing for, I don't know, freaking 20, 30 years. I'm not about to bust an HR report on someone whose like life livelihood depends on this company. That's just not right. And I'm leaving anyways. I'm whatever. So that was another experience. Oh, my God. That's like from, you know, someone from a higher position of power that's just like i'd be scared i'd be yeah i'd do yeah i'd be i don't i would be i would be speechless 
I know. And we're just children at that time, you know? We're just kids. We've never really, we don't know what it's like working. So it really scarred me. Yeah, I was like, never going to work on Boeing again. <laughs> my, my sophomore year internship at that investment bank was a lot more chill. Like in terms of like management, it was also kind of just, hey, do what I ask. And so whether that was getting coffee or that was filling out Excel sheets, that's pretty much what I did. Yeah, and there wasn't really much guidance until honestly the last day, which was what I was looking for. For some reason on people's last days, everyone just gets like unfiltered, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> so on the intern's last day, all the full-time employees were just like around my desk and we were just like chopping it up, just like talking about everything. I just was asking questions like, oh, like what advice would you have? Or like, you've been here 10 years. What do you think, man? And they would just be honest with me. They were just like, Yo, man, I would do things differently or like, you know, I would have like switched it up a bit to see what else was out there. And so I think, yeah, that was like the only the last day was like the best part of finding out what people really thought and like the guidance that I really sought out from people uh, mm. above me. But yeah, nothing crazy. But then, OK, what about then junior year now? So that like Boeing experience is like the preview of abusive, higher power, lower power dynamic. Let's get into the real, what was the first? Job? The Yeah. The first job? Oh, man. I had so many jobs in college after uh, when I, I had a lot of advisors, a lot of mentors, a lot of people who were coaches, a lot of people who were my predecessors. I think I had a, a lot of good experience working with all kinds of people before starting work. I think I was in, took on 16 part-time roles throughout college oh yeah I know it, it was a lot it was just something I enjoyed doing and I also needed to make money and I just had to I just had to do it you know yeah. like it went span from working at a in like an API resource center to tutoring to working in, working at a nonprofit, raising money stuff like that my first job was at Google and then I had I think I had two managers there uh, my first one didn't really do too much, but the next one was, it was a manager that was very mm, textbook safe. Like they were a good textbook manager. Like they would say everything in a very PC way. Like it, they would just copy paste from the policy guidelines, you know? It's like, if you want to get promoted, you have to stay this number of years. This is the average. You have to you usually have this many years of industry experience. People usually don't get to it. You have to do this, this, and that. If you run into problems, you have to escalate it and bubble it up this way. And then it just like didn't feel, it felt like, okay, it's a one size fits all type of management approach, which is fine if you have like a really diverse team. Um, but for me, I was definitely someone who was like wanting to go on the accelerated track. I was like, I'm willing to bust my, my butt and then work overtime and uh, try to prove myself and try all kinds of projects to make this work because I wanted to learn. Like that was a big focus of my life. When I had the crucial conversation with him for promotion and like I wanted his support to put me up for promotion and create like a plan of action for me, I already had a strong track record. I already was handling several projects. I'm not a bad team member to have. Like a lot of people are proud to have me on their team. I'm extremely high performer. But then when I had this conversation with him, he was like, Chloe, I don't know. I don't think I can support you on this because you, you there's so many smart people here at Google. Everyone's smart. But there's only like a 2% chance that you can get promoted this, this next cycle. And I just don't think that it's going to work out because I think you really should wait another six months to at least go for it. And that's just like what the average is. And, you, you know, you're you're really young and you can't you just have to wait for your turn and everyone is waiting for their turn, you know, and I really hate that approach. You know, Matt, I hate that. Just hearing that. Is, wow. That. Wait your turn. Wait your turn because he was much older and he came from like the government sector. And I don't want to uh, I, I don't want to stereotype people coming from government roles. But, you know, some of the government companies, their promotion ladders are a lot slower mm -hmm. and it's not as much of a focus as it is here in the Bay Area. Right, right. I know you've you've had that too. I definitely had that like safe 
manager that says all the right things or says mm-hmm. very like positive. I don't want to say positive, but like just says the right things and isn't outlandish or crazy. It's like templated management. It, yeah. Yeah. Template is a good word. Definitely the beginning of my career, a bunch of it was just like fluffy, like, yeah, template encouraging, but you kind of knew like something was up or like, it's like a one size fits all. Something was Mm -hmm. off in that, like with a one size fits all approach, it didn't feel personal. Like my relationship with my manager didn't feel like they looked out for me. Yeah. That they, they didn't really care about their report, like their employee. It was indifferent in some type of way like all these words we're using like indifferent template Mm. i felt like i wasn't getting anything out of this relationship and especially being like if you're in a new place and you're like lost then Mm -hmm. like you don't know what you don't know you're just like wandering around like a chicken without a head wait what was your first manager like at the ad agency oh yeah he was he was great, um, he, okay? he was chill. No, he was he was chill at that time. I definitely thought he was chill. Uh, looking back from this point on, like years later, it was definitely like, oh, I wish he was more proactive. Yeah, he told you he'd leave on this last day. Usually, you would you would give people your two, their two week notice. Yeah, that's a flag. Yeah, it was a flag too late. <laughs> but then I on the opposite end, and I have this like love hate relationship with that time in my life the second manager the guy who ended up becoming the team lead yeah the team lead and like the the director of the department like it was it was uh yeah (laughs) it was rough Uh, like i told you about that one conversation where it kind of blew up but it was basically me being like hey i don't want to be an intern anymore like and now i'm like questioning myself like if i did sound like entitled or very like bratty but I'm pretty sure I wrote about this in like my journal afterwards and it wasn't like that. Going in, I was just like, hey, like, I don't want to come and make you guys give me a job, give me a job. But it's like, hey, I just want to know the direction. And if the direction isn't clear, then I've been here a long time. I feel like it's best for myself to move on. When I said that, this manager like put me in my place basically and kind of like hinted at it throughout the previous months but in that like conversation it was very clear it was like hey like you have to understand like you're an intern all right you're an intern like you're not a full-time employee and so you know you don't get to expect and be handed stuff like this and you know be entitled to anything you have to work for it and in my head I'm like oh shoot I'm caught off guard because the tone was very like aggressive and like unprofessional in my head, you know, I'm like, oh shit, did I maybe, oh fuck, was I acting entitled? Like maybe I was like, I'm starting to doubt myself and just like getting scared because this guy above me is like telling me that like, hey, like, you know, you have to put in work and I'm like, oh shoot, like I, you know, finishing projects, getting work done and like, you know, working the hours that I have to, which were usually beyond like the normal nine to five. It was like, shoot, like maybe I'm not doing enough or, but I thought I was and blah, blah, blah. I was just getting really insecure. And like, I felt like I was being bullied. Like that was definitely the word. How would you describe the type of person he is or what, what are some behaviors or experiences or things that he did that can paint a picture of what kind of person he was? It's, it's really crazy to say, cause he's like a homie now, <laughs> which like, and this is weird. After I became a full-time employee, like mm-hmm. our relationship just like changed. So I don't know if it was a bunch of like stuff from his past, but during the time when I was an intern, the tone was just like, you know, if I didn't know how to do something, I would ask, but he would like kind of tell me what, like tell me how it is, like what the answer is, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is how it works in the industry or something. But also kind of say it in a it's not what he said it was how he said it and it would he would say in like a demeaning type of way like oh you don't know not like oh you don't know or like hey like this is how it is man like just fucking get get this shit together already Mm. and it we were doing some things where it was so bad like i would be doing some something it started off like pretty complicated like it was like coding some prototype right right and i would run into trouble right and so i'm kind of like asking for help right because he you know he told me to not be afraid to ask questions and ask for help and when he would help me it would come off as like very frustrated and he'd be like 
well, the solution, and he doesn't, but the thing is he doesn't code. So I don't, it's all fucked up. <laughs> but he was like, no, no, that's not how you do it. Like, hey, just do this at a high level, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know if that will work. Like, what about this other way? He's like, dude, like, hey, just try it first. Like, and then we can talk about it again. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, okay, like what you said will not work for sure. But I'm not going to tell you it won't work because I, it's going to start some shit. So I end up trying like this method or this solution, which doesn't work. And then I go back to him and I'm like, hey, this, it didn't work. I'd be, I'd be going in loops. He'd be like, we'll try this other thing. And basically, I don't remember what the context or the conversations were about, but how it was said was just like, I was being talked down to. I was starting to get insecure about raising my voice or like inputting my thoughts or contributions towards a solution for whatever we were working on. It felt like I was always doing something wrong. Even if it was like, what was it one time I was doing? Was it like cleaning a 3D printer or something? It was like cleaning a 3D printer. Something was just, the, the most stupid thing was off. Like I like couldn't scrape off this uh, thing that we made, right? Mm-hmm. Or like residue. I couldn't clean up residue, but we need to clean up the residue for the next time we use this machine. Simple. It's literally just scraping something off. Okay. I'm so far in this hole that I'm trying to scrape this thing off without damaging the machine. I'm like, oh my God, I'm just trying to scrape a fucking thing off a plate. Please come off. And it's not coming off. And I don't want to damage the machine. I'm spending more than 30 seconds on it or something. And then he comes into this, the lab and he's like, Hey, what's like taking so long? I'm like, it's stuck, like, and I don't want to damage the machine. And he's like, basically, he's like, oh, my God, like, you can't even do this, like, simple thing. And I'm, like, feeling like shit. He's shaming you. That's what He's it shaming is. me. Yeah, he's shaming me. And then he takes the, the scraper <laughs> and he's doing it. He can't get it off either. <laughs> Dude, that's so annoying. No one wins. And I'm still, you know, I still feel like shit afterwards. That's just one incident. But this happened, like frequently to the point where I just felt really like unconfident and insecure about the simplest things to do. And even like the simple, sometimes the simplest questions to ask. Those small experiences build up and then it creates this weird tension that you're not able to describe. It's like this feeling of you're not safe to do the smallest things. It's a loop. Once I felt like not safe to ask a question in fear of getting like attacked, chided, attacked, then I don't know how to communicate. I still don't know like what I would do in that position. Mm. How do you communicate with someone who's above you that like you're mistreating them? (laughs) That's a really good question. And that was part one of our conversation on working with managers throughout career with creative technologist, Matthew Ray Chang. Listen to the next episode for part two as we dive deeper into challenging times and maybe even horror stories at work and how we've managed to learn from those experiences. If you have your own stories or thoughts on working with managers, I'd love to hear it. Write me at colorsofchloe at gmail.com or visit me at my new YouTube channel at Colors of Chloe. Thanks for listening and see you next time.